Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Staying Conscious podcast. Back here again with the uh, third episode of uh, the second season. And uh, this was an episode, or this is an episode that I've been looking forward to actually now for some time. Um, because this guy, I met him in Korea uh, when I moved there around the, the first year I, I was there back in 2018. And um, this was actually a guy who I found on YouTube or a friend of mine in Korea found him on YouTube and he was making self-help videos uh, in Korean and he was not even Korean. So that shocked me and that made me quite jealous as well because the the really the big thing that I wanted to do when I was in Korea was to promote like a YouTube channel or uh, some sort of self-help company that I could uh, start and launch in Korea and hopefully live there for quite some time. Um, so this guy who I just spontaneously emailed uh, back then, back in 2018, I never thought that he would reply. actually did. And he wanted to meet up. And we met, and wow, he was a very interesting guy, and he's right here, and he's, his name is Alex Lungo. Do I pronounce that correctly, your last name, by the way? Yes, that's correct, Alex Lungo. Right. Can you it's tell like me... the coffee with a U. Ah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? I mean, uh, I think that the people who listen kind of got my hysterical <laughs> intro <laughs> about you, but who are you, Alex, and um, yeah, what's up? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm, I think it's the first time I'm on a English podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> so that's a that's a new experience for me. Not talking Korean. Oh. Uh, well, uh, I'm a consciousness facilitator in Korea. I do workshops. Uh, I have a YouTube channel uh, called Higher Self Korea. Yeah. Uh, and I talk about yeah well personal development self-actualization uh consciousness work and stuff like that wow you said consciousness facilitator yes what um, i've never heard that before what does that mean um i called myself a coach for a long time um but yeah over the years i've you know, I've uh, distanced myself from personal coaching and shifted to doing only workshops. But I wouldn't say that in a workshop you're necessarily coaching people. What I do is I facilitate them in their growth. Yeah. So, and now I started with normal self-help over to, you know, life purpose stuff. But, you know, I all left that behind slowly. And now I'm just doing consciousness work basically and you cannot really coach consciousness so it's like the best term i would say is consciousness facilitator wow all right so you said that you don't necessarily coach uh the people but i guess it's like a big group it's a workshop right so there are many people yes it's always like uh, 30 to 40 people yeah i've done one workshop with 70 mm -hmm. but that that was just too much i don't know it's uh, like the there was no <laughs> dynamic in the process i i could remember all the names but uh, i don't know the interaction wasn't as powerful for me like really 30 to 40 is the perfect amount 
Yeah, I can imagine those. What well, was it, seventy? I guess that's a bit too much to handle at once. Yeah, because I I know I've done. Uh, I haven't necessarily done workshop. Well, I haven't done workshops, but I've been doing um, uh, seminars and uh, lectures. And uh, I know that you know the energy that you create in the room. Really, whatever you're talking about or whatever you're trying to engage this group in. It's very important that there is a sort of energy that spreads, that collects the entire room and all the people in it. And I guess if it, there are too many people, it uh, it wouldn't be able to spread as well. Perhaps I, I don't know. Um, but but could you tell me a little bit about what it means to be in these these workshops? What what does it mean to grow your consciousness in terms of uh, you helping them? Yeah. Um... That's always the trickiest part because when I'm selling these workshops, yeah. people do not know what they're subscribing to. <laughs> like they have no idea. Right. Um, I really try to create like quality YouTube videos in order mm -hmm. to you know get people interested and to to you know beforehand already give a lot of value out. Yeah. But the real work happens in those workshops and. Well, what do we do? Yeah. Um, like my teacher, Peter Alston, uh, basically I learned facilitation from him. And mm. he says that, you know, when you want to teach people something new, especially, you know, not some skill or, you know, I'm not, I'm not delivering knowledge, which they can memorize. It's like something they need to discover for themselves. Yeah. So, what you could do and what, you know, intuitively you would just go and say like, okay, guys, well, your experience you're having, it's pretty ineffective or it, probably you're suffering. That's why you're here in the workshop and you want to have a better experience. Okay. Stop doing that. And instead do this here. I'm telling you exactly what to do. Do this. Well, does this approach work? No, it doesn't. <laughs> right. You know, they're, they're trying and trying and trying. They cannot do it. And, uh, well, they fall flat on their nose and they feel even worse. That's usually how self-help and personal development works. Yeah. So what I do in my workshops is first I tell them, okay, well, here you get some principles or I don't know, maybe even some methods. Try it out. And they cannot do it. None of them can do it. Yeah. And then I'm like, perfect. Now you look exactly at what you are doing. Why can you not do it? What is holding you back? Well, you yourself are holding you back. Your self-structure, you know, how you are made up. Yeah. Okay, well, that's what we, what we want to analyze now. So after, let's say, one third of the workshop, well, they have been suffering a lot. Now look at your own suffering. How are you creating that? What are you actually doing? I am not making you suffer here in this workshop. You know, I'm just giving you some, some advice and mm -hmm. because, because you are unable to do it and you are, you're always whipping yourself. <laughs> That's the problem here. Yeah. Now, why are you doing this? So they actually have to go very, very deep into their experience, see yeah. what's going on, see how they're creating their own, their own problems, their own suffering. Mm -hmm. and their own reality yeah. like basically and that's a growth in consciousness kind of right. so you're not 
you're not looking for answers. And I'm, well, of course, they're looking for answers, but I'm not giving mm -hmm. it to them. I'm just saying, yeah. well, look at your own experience. And of course, I'm guiding them through their experience mm -hmm. so that, that they look in the right places. And uh, yeah, usually after two thirds of the workshops, they have insights. So it's like, oh, damn, I was doing this. And here I was being a victim. And there I yeah. was creating my anger because I thought it would, uh, I don't know, uh, protect me from whatever and so on. So they have one insight after another. Yeah. And then they're free <clears throat> to change it because they understand their own experience. Right. But it sounds like a very... Uh unique type of workshop. I mean, this doesn't sound like the regular workshop you hear about, uh, like on like regular, because I remember there was this uh, meetup app that I used to have when I was in Korea. And uh, I went to a couple of other workshops, they workshops, but they were of course toward, totally different. Now here in this workshop that you're describing, it sounds like in order to do this effectively, you have to be able to kind of step out of yourself. That's basically what it sounds like. And that doesn't sound like the regular thing we usually do in our everyday life uh, because we're so attached to who we think we are and what we do that we never really get that chance to take that step back and reflect upon what and who we actually are and really taste of it and a great understanding. Uh, so, of course, this seems very difficult. Now, I wonder what type of people... What, who are the type of people who actually attend these workshops? I would say um, there is no set form. And, you know, consciousness has no form. So right. you can be interested in this kind of stuff and just discovery of yourself and reality working at a, at a firm from mm -hmm. nine to five, uh, having your own business, being a student, um, retired people. So I yeah, literally have people from 20 to 60 sitting mm -hmm. in my workshops and yeah, they all contemplate together. Wow. So do you ask them specific questions to make them uh, reflect on themselves in a certain way or, or is there any other type of method that you're using? Well, not really method, you know, there, there is no process like from A to Z, which you can follow to become more conscious. It's, right. it's, it's called contemplation. That's basically all, all we mm. do. And contemplation is simply you ask yourself questions about whatever, about some, some topic, about can be yourself, can be one uh, emotion you have, can be some aspect of reality, can be existence itself. So yeah. you can question everything and you see what that really is or what is really going on. So I don't, I don't know, maybe as a, to make it a little more, more tangible. So for example, uh, I'm lazy, you know, I procrastinate and life is hard and I whip myself, hit myself over the head. Oh, I had so many big plans. I promised it to so many people. And still, I did not get up and, uh, and do my work. You know, right. the classic, the classic self-help problem. How can I be more productive or more, you know, more effective in my work? Now, you know, usually 
that's where consciousness of of normal people, let's say, who don't investigate, stops. It's just like, yeah. okay, well, I'm lazy. I procrastinate. I have no idea what's going on. Well, that's just a fact. Now let me find methods or crooks or hacks how to, you know, maneuver through that. So, yeah. you know, maybe get yourself a mastermind group which can motivate you or maybe, you know, uh, two crappy pages a day <laughs> to get yeah. over over your perfectionism <clears throat> or whatever. You have so many methods. That's not what we do in consciousness work. In consciousness work, we're simply asking, okay, so laziness, what is true about that? Like literally, what is beneath that? What, what is sourcing that laziness? What is it? And you sit down and you really just contemplate. And you, contemplation is not trying to figure something out like mentally or trying to, to force out an answer. It's just looking at what's going on. It's just observing. And yeah. for example, so you just look, you just look at your own laziness and it's like, wait a sec, I'm afraid. I'm actually scared. And mm -hmm. you know, that, that's fear. It's some, some kind of fear, which is holding me back. It's like, okay, well, 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 okay. Now we're a little more, it's, it's more true. Do you understand? Yeah. We are nearer to the truth of the matter. Well, it's still far, far from the absolute truth, but it's a yeah. little more genuine. It's more, it's a more authentic experience. Yeah. So then, okay, well, okay. So what is true about that fear? Like what, what, what's behind that? And it's like, yeah, well, I'm scared that maybe if I, if I do it wrong, that, that people will laugh at me. It's like, mm. all righty, good. Well, mm, so what's true about that? So you go deeper and deeper and deeper. Well, well, to be very honest, I, I, I'm scared that people will think that my whole project here is worthless. And if the project is worthless, I'm worthless. Yeah. Well, okay. What's what's behind that? It's like, oh damn, I actually believe that I'm worthless, and through this project, I somehow try to, to I don't know, justify myself and to become a a very valuable and worthwhile person. But what if I fail? So I just don't do the work. Yeah. So you see, so from I discover the the belief the which is sourcing this this laziness. I think of myself as not enough, as just worthless. Uh, yeah. That's just an example. Okay, so wait. So this is now, okay, so you're way more conscious and you can relate to the matter. Now, not through laziness now, but through, okay, well, because of my fear of being or like looking worthless, because that's what I think I am, mm. that's why I'm not doing the work. Okay. Now you can go even deeper and, and ask, well, what is worth? What does worth even mean? Yeah. And you, you really dig into that and it's like, wait a second. I create worth. Worth doesn't exist like existentially. It's like it's a subjective experience. You put on things and you put on yourself and other people and so on. Well, that's probably culturally like very, very much uh, encouraged yeah. in our day and time. It's like everything is, is valued kind of, yeah. but well, is it actually true that I am worthless? Where, where does that even come from? It's like, 
No. No, that's it's just bullshit. You know, th there's nothing substantial. There's no... Of course, I can bring up, bring up a lot of stories, why and in the past, how I failed and so on, of course, because, mm. you know, stories, just stories yeah. to prove to myself that I'm worth this. But actually, no, 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 worth, worth doesn't really exist. It's just a subjective, relative experience, meaning it's, it's relative to me. It's no, no absolute truth. And I if you it. can not understand it with your head, but just become conscious of it. So yeah. see the truth of it, really. I see. Then you don't have to hold on to it anymore. Do you understand? Right. So, so you, you <laughs> see that worth or value is just a conceptual construction of mine. And, well, damn, you're free. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's super easy to to say it like that right. <laughs> it sounds so simple but no you know you're pondering that questions weeks and months until you're just like bam right like th there's nothing substantial about it <laughs> and does that take, all of my like, life how, how long does that take do you think well it, you can do it now you can do it now in this second you yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I've heard that. I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, let's go. So, All right, where is so theoretically, theoretically, you you know, it can happen as quickly as just one second, not just now. But, yeah. um, you know, from experience, um, probably depending on the person, and uh, the longer you do something like that, the easier it gets. Mm. but several weeks and it's a constant effort yeah of Do always think... questioning and bombarding and attacking all of your reality and belief structure assumptions from many many angles until you're just like okay well good <laughs> we're done here do you think that there are degrees to it to how 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 deep a level of truth you can reach Mm, I, no, no, I don't believe that because, <clears throat> you know, stages or, or levels, it's like, of course, there's the absolute truth, meaning you yeah. become conscious of, of, of some matter of, of an object of yourself, of existence or whatever, what it actually is, not in relation to anything, not in relation to you, but the thing itself. Um, but how, how do you determine stages? That's, you can make some, some up, of course. But, yeah. uh, well, I can make up 10. I can make up uh, 45 if you want. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just so, asking, you know, because I've heard, you know, some other spiritual teachers talk about stages. And you got the Zen, uh, a kind of symbolism of, you know, the 12 stages of the ox. Or of capturing yes. the ox, something like that. Yeah, you know, and um, I, I've heard many stories about stages and uh, spiritual teachers who talk about it. Do you think that's a way to kind of market um, uh, the spiritual quest, or do you think that it's uh, there's truth to what they're saying? Mm, I think it's a uh, like depending that they're all kind of 
bullshit ideologies out there, mm. but uh, some of them, for example, the 12 steps or the 12 stages of the ox, mm. uh, it's great. I, re I really uh, like this one. Um, it can help you in the direction of your pursuit, yes. but you know, there's not necessarily 12. They could have made seven out yeah. of it. It's just, you know, it's a nice model. And what I think is sometimes dangerous with states, and that's why I don't, uh, I don't talk about levels or stages, is because you, you are kind of trapped in a model. So it's just like, yeah. okay, well, I, I got this kind of insight. Now, what is the next insight? So you just check on a list. Okay, the next one should be that. But, mm. you know, that's not the truth. That's just something on a list. So yeah. you're looking for an experience you should be having, but not your genuine experience. So I what see. we do in consciousness work is simply, you know, what is more true or what's true about that? That's the only question which, which is valid. And what yeah. you discover, what you experience, that's what you experience. Right. So, yeah, that's have, good and bad about you, stages. Do you feel that you reached that state? Like, what do you mean? You real, have you realized what you're talking about, like the consciousness? Have you seen truth? No, I, have, I did not have an, an absolute awakening. Mm. But I would say I have been, become very strong in relative contemplation. I so, see. for example, did dissecting the self or, you know, dissecting all kinds of concepts, which, yeah. like, from my experience, has mm -hmm. huge value for life and for, for, you know, experiencing a powerful powerful existence so you know there is the absolute but you can have so many beautiful insights about the nature of life and about the nature of experience yeah. so you know people's like only enlightenment well so only the true nature of you or the true nature of of another true nature of objects um that's great to have uh, definitely, uh, I wouldn't wouldn't reject it. But even after after such an experience, after such an enlightenment, you still need to live. You know, yeah. if you, if 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 you if you're very bad at survival, that's how Peter Olson calls it. Mm. If you're, you know, if you cannot make money, if you don't understand the relative truths of your environment. Well, even yeah. after an awakening, you're still very, very ineffective. Yeah. So, you know, both are good to have and both are good mm. to pursue. Yeah. I see. You mentioned, I just want to uh, mention for everyone listening that Peter Ralston, uh, for those of you who do not know, is a very big guy in the, well, this, what, what are we kind of going to call it? The consciousness, not industry, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah <laughs> yeah let's just let's call it that and um very interesting fact since he he's, he does martial arts i also do martial arts judo he was actually um the first non-asian I, I think one of the first non-asians to win a world uh, championship in uh, china and that was back in the 70s 
And I th think that's really cool uh, story about him too. Um, so you know Peter Ralston, right? Yes. Right. Well, and uh, he's uh, an extremely fascinating guy, <laughs> at least what I've seen of him on uh, YouTube. <laughs> uh, could you tell me a little bit about the, uh, what, it's, what, it, what it's been like and um, what you've learned and how you've used that knowledge in your own workshops? Um, yes, uh, what have I, I have learned so many things, uh, with, with Ralston, uh, I've been to, uh, to a three month program. Uh, I've done several workshops, months longs in Texas where he is. Uh, I might even go to his apprenticeship next year for eight months. Um, <sighs> <laughs> it's it's very hard to pinpoint because, you know what what uh, Ralston did is he investigated all of it, kind of. Yeah. The absolute and the relative. Right. So you, you know you can be enlightened as hell, but that doesn't make you a good fighter. <laughs> you know, Please. there is no uh, yeah. no correlation. <laughs> Yeah, whatsoever. I know, that. I know that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he he doesn't limit himself in his discovery or in his investigations. So yeah. he is going. He's he, he 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 went very very deep into the martial arts. He says himself <laughs> that he has trained more martial arts than he. Wait, no, no, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. He said he has thrown away more martial arts than you would ever train. Wow. <laughs> Which okay. means he has done it all. He has done it all. He has like distilled the best of the best into what works, into his philosophy called Cheng Shin. Yeah. And what doesn't work, he just threw it out. Right. That, Meaning, he's kind of like, so, like the Bruce Lee of uh, uh, consciousness. This feels, but not only consciousness, he is better than Bruce Lee, <laughs> even in fighting. <laughs> All right, even on that point, wow. <laughs> even on the fighting, so just wow. he has done it all, and what doesn't work, he throws it off, and what does work, well, yeah. he uses it. He uses it until it doesn't. So. Okay. There's such a huge open-mindedness that yeah. there's no no belief or no dogma or no ideology. It's just like you know, use what's usable, and if it if the day comes where it's not usable anymore, then out of it, out with it. And he does that with with fighting, and he does that with with consciousness. He does that with principles. He does that with effective living, like yeah. <laughs> the entire thing. And I, I would say this is the, the biggest part I've learned from him. Just like be open. There is no right way for nothing or right. for anything. Just, you know, look for effective ways to do something. And if there's a more effective way, you, uh, you find Mm. In the future, well, you just change it, or you mix them together, or I don't know what. Yeah. But you don't. You don't come from belief. You just use 
what's what works and wow. this huge open-mindedness you know allows you to dig deeper into things and yeah. yeah to to make it easier i would say so i i don't cling to methods anymore there are so many youtube videos and i started out like that as well you know the the, the 10 best methods to i don't know make a million dollars or to i don't know fight yeah or to whatever but you know these methods are for beginners <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you know imagine you you learn how to dance so yeah. you memorize steps and you follow those steps and it looks kind of all right i guess but a master dancer does yeah. a master dancer follow any steps or or a method or something no he just knows the base principle of dancing or several right. principles so right he doesn't even think of it it just happens right because Can he operates also, you know on a point there uh with the lists i i totally agree that is very uh let's just call it amateur in the simplest terms yeah. <laughs> um but it it can help though i mean it, it can surely help in the beginning to get you going uh you know in terms of creating a routine creating a habit because ultimately i mean all of our muscle memory and everything it, it's all well i don't want to say it's all just based on habits there, there are of course are deeper layers to that but uh, creating a habit and a routine out of it, it can be very, very important. So as a start, that might be a good kicker, at least, I believe. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. And continue, I, continue. I totally agree uh, with you. As a beginner, well, you know, you can only grasp a principle by doing the method. So yeah. you can only access let's say the meta through the form right so you have to start with a form somehow but if you really want to master something it does not help to just you know uh repetitive just go through the form and again through the form right. and again through the form it doesn't help right. but while practicing the steps and the form and so on your job if you want to become a master is to just really look at what is underneath that what's the underlying dynamics or the principles what's the rule here and once yeah. you've discovered that you just match it it's like okay so i'm i'm doing the method is it does it fit does it match with a with a principle and it's like yeah so you get even better even better and at one point you're able to throw the method out to just drop it Right. That takes time, but I think without that, you cannot become a master. Right. And when you say master, you mean in anything, really? At, at anything. Like right. Because I was thinking about judo, and uh, it's very, very true what you're saying there. I mean, in the beginning, it's all about the repetition, the, the very basics. But then there is something that... that uh, because in the end, we all know the same type of techniques. We all know the same type of... Uh, throws we all we, we basically know the same strategy like in competition you know because there are no secrets in judo but what could perhaps be that deeper layer which is the thing that makes us truly master something and what you've talked about is something that i've never really pondered upon 
But I, I think it's a very revolutionary thing if people can actually become aware of this and learn how to use it. Uh, so that that's like a mind-blowing thing right there. So I assume since this is something that's not in the mainstream usually, this is something that you have had a great interest for uh, for a long time, right? Uh, could oh, you yes. tell me how you got started with all of this? Like what was it that drove you into this, this uh, well, opportunity? <laughs> Let's just call it that. <laughs> Can I add just one more thing to oh, the yeah, judo, to your, to your judo thing? Uh, Peter Ralston also started with judo. Yeah. And he tells the story how he contemplated what is judo to, mm. to get down to the principle faster. And <laughs> he just got it. And wow. it was, it's supposed to be easy. <laughs> 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 really? Oh my! I yes. Never, oh, well, wow. well, so cool. uh, well. Besides other things, he says, but that was just like the main thing. And after having that insight, <laughs> he got so good in like a very, very short, short period of time. So just as a nice story. <laughs> oh wow! You know, judo. It is. It is translated just a gentle way, really. Yeah. So yeah. I I guess the the contemplation he uh, well the the insight he had was very very valid. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Right. So w w yeah, what got you started uh, with all the? Was there anything that triggered you? Because I know that many people entering like the spiritual path or the path of self help, uh, where they start to reflect more upon themselves. That something triggers it. There, there's something that happens in their life that perhaps they don't like. You know, when the external does not look the way that you want it to do, you have no option but to go internal. You know, that kind yeah. of mindset. So what triggered you? Or if there even was a trigger, was it just something that gradually got, um, yeah, that, that grew? You know, I, I would say I had the predisposition already uh, for, you know, being more uh, contemplative and also, you know, open-minded. Just I had a, had a great upbringing of Romanian, was raised in Germany next to the French border. So just yeah. all quite, quite open and I'm super thankful for that. And I just left to Korea after high school. I yeah. came back to Germany and finished things up and so on. But, you know, always, always being open for new things and so on. Now, let's say if, if I want a causal relationship to how I got here, I yeah. would say I uh, worked at a sports brand as a strategic planner. Mm -hmm. I will not say the name, but it's a, it's a big, big store, uh, sports yeah. fashion brand. And, um, you know, it's it's a nine was a normal nine to five corporate job and was okay, but somehow I was not fulfilled. Mm. And what made it, let's say, worse or better? <laughs> I don't know. I I bought a ticket to Vietnam to see one of my one of my friends from university who got a job in Vietnam. I was in Korea. He was in Vietnam. And yeah. the plan was to just binge drink for five days with him, party, and then just fly back to Seoul. Mm. 
(laughs) And, and I don't know, like think four or five months before my flight, he texted me. It's like, Oh yeah, Alex, I'm sorry. Um, you know, exactly the weekend you're coming, uh, that's when the Vietnam mountain marathon is happening. And I am somehow co-managing the entire event as I don't know. And so on. So yeah, well, you, you have to run with me. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. Look at me. Come on. I'm way too heavy. And I was, I was way more heavy <laughs> than now. Mm. Um, and really not, not that fit. And I was like, uh, I, I don't think so. So, Hey, so I looked at the options and there, they had, I think the 10 K run, the 21 K and the 42 K. And he was like, yeah, let's do the 42. And I was like, no, you're crazy. Come on, come on. I do the 21. And he's yeah. like, no, no, no. I, I already registered you for the 42. So nothing you can do. And I was like, oh, damn, this because of <laughs> because of my friend now I have no other choice. So I started to go running in the mountains here in Korea, next to Seoul, you know, if you don't, yeah. you know Korea well, but if yeah. our listeners don't know Korea well, it's, it's a right. country full of, of mountains. So next to every big city, you got these mountains and within like 30 minutes or so. Uh, so yeah, I went to the mountains and I, I started hiking at the beginning and I slowly got into running in the yeah. trade running and I lost like, I don't know, 10, 12 kilos. <laughs> and, wow. and I got really fit in those three, four months. And I went down to, to Vietnam. Now the best thing was that like several days before me going to, to Sapa, the, the north of Vietnam, yeah. my friend called me up and I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like another run in, in Hanoi came up. So yeah, you have to go yeah. along. <laughs> I was like, seriously, like, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I trained for this now for the last four months, (laughs) and you're not even showing up. But anyways, so so I went there, and I actually had a a hell of a time. It was amazing. Such a beautiful view. Um, Like Vietnam, just a beautiful country. Me running there with a... (laughs) in nature it, like it was literally just hard to explain like these yeah. these small villages with with a traditional uh, folks and tribes basically up there so yeah, i had a great time yeah and anyways so that changed me a lot because you know mm-hmm. from the binge drinker to a to a ultra marathon runner basically so i came back to korea i started running i started going to events here and what then surprised me a lot was i was working for a sports brand and i was the weirdo because i was doing sports (laughs) because i was working out and running Uh. and i was like i was yeah getting more and more miserable over the days. I was super fit. I was motivated, but at that job, I just couldn't do it. So it's that's when it's I just... It's kind of strange that, well, you were the weird one for working out, but you all <laughs> exactly. worked at a sporting good store. Like what? Exactly. <laughs> so I, I couldn't stand, 
couldn't stand the hypocrisy anymore. And that's when I just decided, well, there's anything else I could do. And I discovered Leo Gura, probably, as you also have. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that's, that's some good stuff. And I don't know, somehow I, I got into yoga. <laughs> and I, I became a yoga teacher. And I was okay. I wanted to, to mix yoga with, with personal development, then also got into meditation. And I did, yeah, I did that. I quit my job, uh, worked as a coach and yoga teacher. Wow. But over the years then, I, you know, I found out what works and what doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And I really yeah, found that, especially this, this standard personal development route yeah. has its limits because oh, it's yeah. very self-centered, so self-based, and it's always trying to cover something up, trying to change yourself or to change something through the will but it's always to, to punch through and it doesn't solve the the fundamental problems it doesn't doesn't go down to the root and also you know with yoga it was it, it's great i love yoga but uh, you know it gets you healthy and fit but it doesn't make you more conscious it it doesn't you don't get rid of your problems doing yoga this is also one thing I've discovered. So yeah. please do not misunderstand me. Every exercise is great, but it doesn't make you more conscious. And right. then I somehow yeah, found consciousness work. Uh, uh, for first, I found Robert Fritz in Vermont. I went to him twice. And then I, went, I found Peter Alston, went to him you know, several times. And then I... I kind of understood, you know, what the limits were of these other, of these other domains, let's say. And they were yeah. just like, you know, you don't go down to the truth. You don't go down to the root. You always try to lie to yourself or to trick yourself or to manip- manipulate yourself and others towards some yeah. goal. And of course, yeah, that yeah. cannot be substantial. And through consciousness work, yeah, it's like the base principle is honesty and truth yeah so that's the only way well, you can actually get somewhere i see and, i see yeah. I, I wonder what just in a quick uh, explanation if it's possible what does it mean for you to go to the truth what does reaching the truth means what does that mean um what does that mean so there is the absolute yeah, truth I, 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 uh, just the, the reason I'm asking is because I guess that some people, they can have different uh, you know, opinions about what that truth might be. Um, and that there are perhaps certain relative truths. You know, uh, for example, getting to the root of it in terms of, um, I don't know, psychotherapy is about going into the trigger of uh, something that happened in your childhood, for example. That perhaps might be the root problem for that type of uh, perspective but for you and uh, through the studies that you've done and the workshops that you've had and everything you've learned throughout the years what is truth for you what does going to the the bottom of things really mean 
Okay, okay. Yeah, that's, that's a good and interesting question. I would not dismiss relative truth or would not even divide like absolute and relative, like the absolute is good and the relative is useless. No, no not at all. Yeah. Um, when we talk about absolute truth, well, we talk about nothing, you know, it's, yeah. it's irrelevant. It's, it's, there, there, there's no, no reason to talk about it. Just, just the fact that it exists, okay, or it doesn't exist, you know, but mm. all we can, we can talk about and all we can experience and, and even fathom is relative truth. Now, what does it mean, relative truth? I don't think I have to explain to anyone, well, what's the truth for you? And you will come up with, with something. Yeah. But then, so let's say, you know, how many, how many centimeters are in a meter? Well, 100. Okay, well, is that the truth? Yes, it's the truth. Good. So, but in what context is that the truth? Yeah. What, what, what context? Well, in the context of the meter or this, you know, this, the meter measure. Yeah. So someone had to come up with that. Like it's an invented thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist in nature on its own. So you can question that. So what is the truth about that? So, you know, you, you can always have like these bubbles of truth. When I say yeah. the sentence, well, hello, my name is Alex. Well, am, am I telling the truth? <laughs> well, yes, I'm telling the truth in the context of English, basically the English grammar. Yeah. But, well, if you dissect now language, well, it's, it's made up, you know, it's not absolutely true. We, yeah. we have to, you know, shuffle it around. But still, still, it is true. And you can actually always go, let's say, how do, do I explain it? Through honesty, you just yeah. get to the edge, to the very, very edge of the bubble, of the context you're in. So at the edge, you can actually see behind that and see mm. the matter of the form. So you see the context. So you can actually break out of that smaller bubble to the bigger bubble. Right. So you're so, still so, in a so, relative context. Yes. I, I, I see. It, it sounds very, um, I can kind of, I understand what you mean. I don't understand in the term that I can, you know, experience that right now, <laughs> but I understand it because I, I, I know about, you know, I've studied a lot about consciousness and enlightenment, etc. But but let, let's just take a relative um, example for now, if it's possible for you to kind of describe. If, you, if I'm sitting here now by my table and uh, I have a glass of water here, I'm talking to you, I have my phone in front of me, me it's kind of rainy outside and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like a dull weather right now. I'm in my room. Um, in the terms of relative truth and in the terms of um, absolute truth, what's the difference there? I mean, I think that I am this person sitting here. My name is Daniel and I'm having a conversation with you. Uh, is that truth or is that like, is that not truth? Is the sense of self the part that needs to go away or where is it located kind of? If you, if you understand my questions in the terms of me just being here in the present moment. 
Well, you tell me. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like, all right. <laughs> I think I got your question right there. Um, See, you know, so, it's just, it's yeah. you know, you know, that, that's the thing because trying to describe it is putting a label on it. Right. And then yeah. you get away from the truth. I mean, the description so, is never, or the theory is never equal to the actual reality of it. The yeah. true subjective perspective. So that's so, why. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I say, when I say absolute truth, I don't say anything. You know, it's, okay. it's irrelevant. Just, let's say, make a mental mark that it exists. Mm -hmm. But and we're going in some direction, let's say, the more conscious you become, meaning the more honest you become about whatever, yeah, about your your topic of investigation, well the, the nearer you get, let's say, but mm. it doesn't exist in itself. The only thing which exists is the relative truth. Yeah. So you just dividing these two, the absolute is, let's say, the mother of the relative truth. It mm -hmm. contains all relative. I see. And we can talk only about the relative and all experience is relative. So yeah. you, you yeah. cannot experience anything absolute. You're stuck in the relative and you can only become directly conscious which is not an experience. I see. Wow. So all we do is just talk about relative stuff, which is beautiful, I think. It is great because we can make distinctions over distinctions and we can create infinite possibilities, basically. Yeah. Where, where does we that can... connection happen? Because there are other, I mean, you have your relative consciousness or absolutely relative truth. And I have my relative truth, but we can still kind of be in each other's world, if you know what I mean. We, we still perceive each other and we, we like we still there has to be some sort of connection in that sense. I mean, how, how does it work? I mean, for every every living sentient being on the planet. Um, I, where is kind of doesn't there have to be an objective truth in the matter that there like the subjectiveness has to has to be located somewhere? I don't know if you understand the question. <laughs> I think I understand. I think I understand what you mean. Mm, well, I I have only my experience, and I I don't know every sentient being. I don't know what what dogs are, what what experience dogs have. Or, right. <laughs> but but let's say from human to human, it's all a subject subjective experience, but we can find concepts we can share. Mm -hmm. So if I share the concept cat with you, well, you kind of know what I mean. But I might think of a blue cat and you think of a green one. But yeah. still, you know, it's, it's, it's the concept of a cat. And through these concepts, we, we can relate mm -hmm. more or less. I see. But I mean, in physical Maybe I should not say that <laughs> physical reality, <laughs> but let's just say physical reality. 
um, when I perceive an object and you perceive it too, I mean, right there, you're perceiving from your perspective and it is, it is, is it, it is in my perspective, but we still agree on what's there. So doesn't that form a sort of objectivity? If there can be an agreement on something in the external, it's a hard one because you know it's the same if we're talking about really like the real objectivity yeah doesn't exist right. but but you know the level of objectivity if we have learned what a fountain pen is i just have one in front of me <laughs> And yeah. well, we look at the fountain pen and then we, we kind of perceive it and interpret it as a fountain pen. Well then, yes, this is like our objective truth. Yeah. Let's say some, one of us has never seen such a thing. So it will be yeah. very hard. We have a different experience, but we, we got raised in the same culture, same society, kind of where we're sharing language. Mm-hmm. And through that, you know, we have these these commonalities. Yeah, is, is, there, is this this kind of sounds similar to uh, the idea that let's say uh, I'm let's say it, it sounds a little bit like solipsism, but I know it's not solipsism, but it sounds like it. I guess people can easily uh, kind of misinterpret those two things, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so. Um, Let's say that I, I know that all of physical reality and everything I experience is only per, per, it's, it's only perceived through me. It's only in my brain. Let's call it like that. It's only in my brain. It's only my conscious experience. And it's like that for everyone, really. So in, do you mean kind of in that, in those terms that we're kind of walking around in a dark room and the only thing that exists is just what shines from our eyes and that's the perceived world? And we can kind of poke each other's bubbles in a way, you know, of uh, physical reality and subjective reality in that room. I'm not sure what you mean by walking inside of a dark room. You know, when, let's say, like, because the the way that I perceive this uh, thing that you're talking about is as if there is no physical objective reality, right? Yeah. Right. And so, since there is no objective reality and everything is just perceived through our experiences, it's kind of as if the entire world is just in our heads. And that's, yeah, that's, that's the only that's an place assumption. where it is. Yeah. Right. And so, since that's the only way that it is, there is nowhere for us to kind of... Um, exist you know because everything is in our head the isness of everything is just in nothingness so still we can communicate with other people who are experiencing quote-unquote the same world as us are like are those multiple worlds or is it just one big absolute consciousness Well, I think uh, that that was a heavy I question. I think I can only guess on this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, as I see it, it, it is one big consciousness, but that yeah. consciousness is divided into infinite perspectives. Yeah, right. I see. And we, we just can share similarities in the perspective. But yeah. one thing, would, no one ever has your perspective. Like, for example, your vision, visual field. You could tell me exactly what is going on, and I can even sit next to you and see the same things. But still, yeah. I will never have your yeah. exact perspective. That is true. Yeah, that's a bit of a mindfucker right there. Wow. I just kind of like, I kind of, when you explain that, I kind of got what you said, like right away. Uh, it's like I kind of felt yeah. that it was pretty insane. So yeah. yeah for, oh, yeah, I see, I see, I see. So, you know, Leo from actualize.org, uh, he uses uh, the example of having like a sponge, you know, like a bath yeah. sponge. And there are like thousands of holes inside of it, but it's all connected to the one thing. So you're kind of saying that that is consciousness. And we're all just that little hole, that little perspective. If I understood you right. Yeah, what I call it, like a sponge. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what consciousness is. So right. no, no, I mean, it's not. <laughs> I, it's not just like I, I don't not talking about the actual sponge, just the idea of everything being connected together. But at the same time, there are just like infinite perspectives. Exactly. And, yeah. And the, and, the, and the reason that those perspectives exist is because the absolute wants to realize itself. Understand what it is. Is that also an idea that you because uh, I've heard that from some other spiritual teachers. What, what do you think about yeah. that? I heard that a lot as well that the the universe or i don't know god or consciousness wants to see itself and that's what therefore it divides itself and can look upon itself yeah and i think that's that's beautiful but yeah my i'm not so sure is that not just some nice story or fantasy. Yeah, of course, it's a <laughs> I mean, it has to be a story, <laughs> you know. <laughs> because, but, but, me, but, but still, then, what is the purpose of consciousness? Well, does there have to be a purpose to anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is creating the purpose? I know, but why? Why does it exist from the beginning? But I mean, does what? it even exist? Yeah. Like why? Why is there <laughs> rather than nothing? Rather than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know, and I don't. I think these kinds of questions they get less and less important the more I do this work, oh. because I see that these kinds of questions. Okay, so, so what? What's the meaning of it? Like, what's the purpose? It's like, yeah, me as a small human being needs yeah. meaning. Right, but, right. But, you know, you, the universe doesn't need meaning and it doesn't even exist on itself, but as, right. as itself, yeah. All right, everyone so, listening, just so you know, the, the universe doesn't exist. Just, like, try to sleep on that. <laughs> 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 Holy shit. <laughs> It's like in the newspaper the next morning. So, holy shit, the universe doesn't exist. I mean, <laughs> these type of things, like, I mean, people, 
I bet you had. Well, first of all, I just want to comment on the the thing that you talked about because because I know that Leo from Actualized he talks a lot about those uh, esoteric type of questions, <clears throat> and yeah. he also um, asked you know, and, and I think that because I know that Peter, I don't want to trash talk Leo, but because uh, you sent me uh, some picture of uh, oh fuck it, I'm not going to mention that. Um, it was just that I, it seems like Leo is a bit stuck in um, in the Maya, in the um, in the quest. He kind of it's stuck in the uh, phenomena of uh, enlightenment yeah. during his uh, psychedelic trips and his fine with MEO DMT. Yeah. Um, at least that's the way that I believe. Now I still think he thinks he's a great teacher, but what you're saying is kind of that you. That what you're talking about is the step above that because it's like, or maybe the only step, be, because those are not necessary questions because it it doesn't matter because the subjective, I mean, the human mind is the only thing that generates those questions anyways and tries to label it and create a purpose of it. Is that what you're saying? Basically, yes. And also, I don't know. So... You know, I can just do guesswork here, and it will be wrong anyways. <laughs> so, <laughs> why yeah. even, why even, why even discuss it for fun? Always for fun, but yeah. I must, I must say that I will probably be wrong. And the only thing you can, like, know for yourself, is to yeah. check for yourself. And I right. haven't. <laughs> Right. I haven't you yet. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so yeah, but but you you know it's just like saying things like you know it doesn't exist. Well, it doesn't exist on which level. This is always very important. So, I'm not a fan of dismissing relative reality. So, of course, you're having a life, you're having a name, you're having a self, and you interact with people and everything is great. You're living in a social structure, you're making a living, and that's important. You know, yes. you, you need to survive somehow. Well, does that exist or does it not exist? Well, maybe it doesn't exist ultimately, but that's irrelevant because we're acting as if we existed. So that's it. Mm -hmm. So, so we have to kind of we have to play the game of life. We don't. You don't have to, but oh. you can if you want. Right. And you know, Peter, I, I've seen Peter Ralston uh, answer that the question is there free will several times. Yeah. And he always answers, "Well, that's that's an irrelevant question." Well. On your, your level, may, maybe I'm explaining it totally crooked. <laughs> I don't know. But as I understand it, you know, on your level of consciousness, well, mm. if you exist, well, yes, you have free will. If you think you have free will, well, then you have free will. That's it. Well, if you discover that everything is nothing and that you don't exist, well, then you don't have free will. <laughs> you know? So the, the question is irrelevant. It's just, yeah, you know, if I say that this pen exists for me, although I make, I created myself through concept, well, still, 
I can use it. It has a function for me. I can write with it. I can even, yeah. I don't know, point. That, but to, in a way, it sounds as if, because uh, some people might misinterpret it and think that, all right, so that means that like babies are enlightened because they don't have, they have not trained themselves for any type of concept or anything. It's just like an yeah. open subconscious mind. But is it, it's not true that babies are not conscious, right? I, I mean, they're not enlightened. Well, my take on this is, is the following. Babies are like mostly, probably they have had some experiences in the womb already and they, they might have some trauma after, after birth and so on. But they, they, they are, let's say, quite, quite, let's say, undiluted with concept and with yeah in yeah, a very yeah, immature with, way kind of it's let's like, say they, they, they're, they're not in maya right. but the difference with babies is and an enlightenment enlightened master let's say is that the baby is not aware of its own existence because if you uh -huh. want that well you need concept first of all you know, consciousness, mm -hmm. as you say, needs to be able to look at itself first of all. Well, that's, boom, you have a self. Okay? You uh, have a self. I see, I see. I and you see. create the <laughs> self. So then you're in Maya, of course. You're suffering uh, the, your self-delusion, basically. But yeah. then, as Carl Jung says, you know, in the second half of life, you get rid of that self again. So you get rid of it. But let's say, no, no, no. Well, that's, I think, how he expressed it. But you just discover that there is no self. So you transcend yeah. it, but you still have one. Yeah, I see. Because you want to operate in the world and because you want to live. And you cannot live without a self and concepts. If you have no concept, well, there's nothing. There's no experience whatsoever. Yeah. So if I you see. want the experience and your social life and and work and do a stuff well you need yourself whether yeah. that's consciously created or not but the baby cannot do that because it doesn't have concepts to experience that's right, the difference right. wow that was an excellent explanation about it that was one of the best explanations i've heard because i oh my god wow uh I, you know one of the my favorite teachers when it comes to uh, non-duality and enlightenment, etc., is uh, Rupert Spira. Yeah. Um, and he's also very excellent at explaining uh, these things. Like where they, like guests on, on his, uh, during his workshops, they ask him questions and he answers them. And it's just very mind blowing. Have you heard of him, by the way? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I met him uh, through the books of uh, Leonardo, no, Bernardo Castro. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I read uh, Why Materialism is Baloney, and okay. then I didn't meet him in person. No, I'm sorry. I, I found oh, him okay. through the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, I mean like that. All right. yeah. yeah. Is it okay if I mention about, well, you did already, but Higher Self Korea, and can you talk a little bit about how you started it also, uh, and, and what happened and the growth that you made there? Yeah, um, so... I just uh, opened the the YouTube channel. Uh, did yoga, meditation, self help on that channel, and you know, it, uh, at the beginning, it grew very slowly. Mm. But I 
short one video uh, called how to raise your energy as a yeah. man. Right. And probably because I, I put a no fab <laughs> in the video, it just right. went up to over a million views. And through that, yeah, I got my first 100k <laughs> subscribers. And right. then over time, over time, you know, it, it grew up to I think 230 something K now, but <laughs> uh, you know, you know, it, It's interesting how people love these kinds of low consciousness contents. <laughs> so, oh yes, so they do. If, if you talk about uh, about how to make a girl skirt, skirt, or or how to uh, in, in, about no fab, well, that's mm -hmm. when everybody's jumping on the wagon. But if you talk yeah. about serious stuff like uh, <laughs> like consciousness, you know, it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's right. different, but any, right. anyways, this, let's say, is the reason I grew so fast and so well. And, well, I slowly started to shoot a lot of videos about, about the self. Mm -hmm. It's like, why are you lazy? Or why, uh, like, the, the fear of success? Mm -hmm. Or you know, how, how does anger and fear come about these kinds of things, you know, daily life, but going, going deeper into it. And I don't know, uh, there is no one in Korea doing it except of me, except me. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, that was why I got, uh, well, kind of shocked when I saw Well, I don't know if you had started really to talk about consciousness back then, in 2018, something. Um, but I, I just saw your videos like online, and I got I got really impressed by it. Even though I couldn't understand a thing, uh, still the fact that you did it and uh, you were a foreigner who did it, and you spoke perfect Korean, and you talked about those type of things. Because I, I mean, I've talked about basic self help, uh, for example, with many Koreans. And some of them, they just look at it like it's some sort of rocket science. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what? Are you serious? Never heard about this. You don't know that you can like increase your motivation and stuff. <laughs> so that's like super basic things. Uh, so I was in a way jealous and in a way very happy that you were doing it when I first discovered you. Um, <laughs> because I was like, holy shit, like that sort of thing. I want to work with that too. I want to help. Uh, Koreans um, in that type of field and you know I tried for um, like two years I, I got some great connections with people and I had a like I had a lecture and um, well I also got some clients from there uh, but I, I mostly did the coaching when I was in Sweden um, so uh, yeah I, I just like really um, I, I'm happy that at least over there you are teaching Uh, those people something very valuable, uh, at least to the scale that you can. And um, I wonder, what are your future plans with this whole thing? Like, where do you want to take it? Whew. No, that's that's always a difficult question because I I like to praise myself for for acting by intuition. So yeah. I I don't like to plan years ahead. I love yeah. one sentence, uh, one quote from Sadhguru, 
mm-hmm. where he said, like, I really wish that your dreams are not coming true. I wish that something happens to you that you cannot dream about at the present moment. Yeah. And I really think that's true because you can only make plans according to your growth state, let's say, or le- le- your level of consciousness mm-hmm. and your level of experience. And if really in five years you will achieve your goals, mm. which you've said five years ago, this mm. means you have not grown at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm really not a big fan. I'm a big fan of uh, life purpose and of setting goals and purpose and vision, but only to tell you what to do in the present moment. So, yeah. you know, I have, I have everything written down and so on. And I look in, on my list and I'm like, okay, well, this is what I'm doing today and I'm happy and I'm feeling meaningful doing it today. Mm-hmm. For me, it's personally meaningful. But in three months, I can go in there and just adjust it, make corrections, you know, just change it up. I'm not tied yeah. to my purpose or to my, to my list I've made. Right. I only use it as a crutch to yeah. live a happy present moment. And this is what many, many people don't get. Um, they think that, well, my, this purpose or this goal will save me from my suffering. Well, no, mm-hmm. either you're happy now yeah. or happy never, but happy exactly. in five years is an illusion. So yeah. anyway, sorry, I, uh, oh, yeah, I, I totally like, drifted there. <laughs> no, I totally get it. And it's, uh, it's quite a basic concept, but it's, like very, it, it's also very complex. Uh, yeah. Because people, they always kind of procrastinate their lives and what do they expect in terms of happiness. Because we believe that happiness will come, happiness will come if we chase it, if we make our life, you know, bigger and better in the external. Because we're, we never get satisfied with what we have. And of course, in a way, we can practice gratitude, you know, to become better at that. But uh, really to, um, to live in the moment fully is, uh, it's a difficult thing, but it's definitely something that we can learn to master. And I think that I have gotten better at that, especially... And now during this pandemic, uh, I've learned more to live in the moment. Sometimes it's been a little bit too much in the moment, perhaps. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) but, uh, still, you know, still uh, always like um, uh, I know what I'm reaching and I use it, like you said, as a clutch, you know, to uh, really elevate my life. But I'm not dependent on it. I know that if I'm not happy now. I'm not going to be happy when I have this certain amount in my bank account. I'm not going to be happy when I finish the fifth season of the, the same conscious podcast or when I get my first thousand subscribers on YouTube. You know, I see it in terms of projects. Now on Instagram, for example, I've grown a lot uh, this last year. I have around like 5,000 followers and I'm very proud of that. Uh, and that was something that I just spontaneously created. I never expected to start an Instagram page, you know, to like I, put like motivational quotes, uh, like very simple things uh, to kind of rear them, rear them in into uh, what I'm offering, um, really what I really want to offer. Um, yeah. So and that was a spontaneous thing. And I was like, you know what, maybe I can start working on my YouTube channel now a little bit and see if I can grow there. 
And the podcast thing was very spontaneous. I wanted to have a podcast for like three years now, but I never planned it. And when it, I, I said to myself, when the opportunity is right, it's going to pre present itself. And it just did. And uh, now I'm very happy with what I'm doing. Uh, of course, this is also a working uh, process. But uh, yeah, the spontaneous, those spontaneous actions really, I, I believe, are the most important. Because we get to make decisions all the time. It's not like we set a goal and I've, like, I've made this decision now that I'm going to reach this goal and there's nothing else. We can think like that, sure. We can put uh, the intention first. But in a way, we should also realize that on the way there, we can adjust and we can change. And nothing is really set if we don't want it to be. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, you, <laughs> you probably adjust more then you set the goals <laughs> right it's it's a constant adjustment over and over again and this ability i think one needs to train that and i i would say i have trained it a lot to to be able to respond appropriately to each moment or to each circumstance mm. so not to to have like cookie cutter solutions okay well this is how it has to be done it's like no you know intuition meaning like looking into the thing into the into the situation at hand and that yeah. is you know you're not even consciously deciding oftentimes it just happens as you said so it's just yeah. like somehow you of course of course that's like the, the most natural thing to do and you just do it and then later on weeks and months later you just wake up and it's like what What, what am I doing here? <laughs> it's like, what has to happen? Yeah. Like for me, it's ridiculous that I'm me from Germany <laughs> in Korea, consciousness facilitator <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with a YouTube channel. Like it makes no sense. Right. It, I don't it know. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> like when you it were just happened. Imagine when you were like 10 years old and they would have asked you, oh, so Alex, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, oh, I want to be a like consciousness facilitator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's like, what? It's so outside the box that it's ridiculous. Right? That's, yeah. that's what's cool about it. That's what's cool about it. That's interesting. Exactly. You know, yeah. People have never heard about that. And you're doing, you're having a great success with it. So, I mean, what's to, what, there, there's nothing to, you know, it's, It's great. Or I don't know. What do you think about it? Do you, do you oh. love what you're doing? Oh, yes. Oh, I, I love consciousness work more than anything else. Definitely. Right. Like, but I also just enjoy life, really. Like right. uh, just going one step uh, after another. You know, I, I don't know if this really fits into this podcast. You know, I study not only the classic spirituality but you know i go through all religions from buddhism mm -hmm. to islam to uh, to christianity and like the the concept of uh, following you know mm -hmm. when jesus asks i think is it simon was just like well do you want to follow me and he just leaves everything behind and has no idea what awaits him and just follows You know, yeah. and I love this concept. It's just like, are you able to just simply not know what's what's lying ahead, 
but just trusting in i don't know what in god or in the universe or in yeah the flow of life i have i don't you know mm. you can call it whatever um but it's just so beautiful just to step right. into something and have no clue and it's yeah. scary it's it's Do scary every single time but it's beautiful yeah. as well and what i always say you know we we should not do black and white thinking when making decisions it's like okay well one decision will bring me success and the other will bring me failure like which decision should i make it's like oh it's so overwhelming well no both can be yeah. successful but you are responsible for that so choose whatever it doesn't matter but then you know put in the work so mm. it's just like success versus success well just take the next best thing kind of take the appropriate yeah. thing do you think that people can uh, it can be easily misinterpreted this uh, idea that you're talking about i yeah i don't want people people to misunderstand it as follow your impulses or your yeah. emotions it's like i i always say say to people uh when you make a decision make it in the best condition ever you need to be happy mm. so not not in anger not in fear not in you know the need for security mm. security is important of course and you know us talking like this is just like you know to step up step out in the open i'm mm. very well aware that uh, you know if if you're hungry in a war zone well that's just bullshit talk <laughs> yeah but you know as we have these luxuries i would say mm. the luxury to 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 live in a safe environment and i i would say this is you know a, a healthy growth in society that people are able to do these things yeah to 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 develop let's say higher values and higher virtues But, you know i i love again one of satguru's quotes war torture and famine well you got a problem you better solve those things or run yeah. away or whatever but yeah. if not well you're pretty free you're actually pretty pretty free <laughs> uh, to follow your intuition and to just discover life and to make it beautiful so yeah. yeah wow that's uh that's a great quote right there that was said yeah. Wow. yeah yeah he's very oh he's very intelligent that man yeah wow. i love him just yeah. always to the point yeah so um Alex, there's, like, one, so yeah, th there's one one thing i want to i want to add uh to to being happy in the future like mm -hmm. the pursuit of happiness i think that it's a mindset it's an it's a cultural assumption that is of course you know i have the right to be happy and you know the meaning of life the purpose of life is the pursuit of happiness it destroys so many people sorry i have to rent <laughs> really yeah, really yeah, shortly because come on you know you can have a beautiful life and have a wonderful family and discover like existence and everything but mm. no you need to be happy but you're not 
So you just have to grind more <laughs> and do more abominable things because you can pursue happiness and that's your job to be miserable in order to be happy in the future. You know, yeah. by definition already, if you can be happy in the future, this still this this just means that now you are unhappy. So if you want to be happy in the future, you must cling to your unhappiness. Sorry, that's how human psychology works. And this is yeah. why so many people just, it's a lifetime suffering game because at one day you'll be, you'll be fulfilled. So yeah, I just had to say that because not many yeah. people share this opinion. <laughs> I, uh, I agree with you. But I think the explanation of it, like sometimes to certain people, has to be extremely mild, <laughs> you know, for them to like get it, you know, because yeah. it can be a shocker for many. Um, but but I'm wondering then, the the do you think that's the cause of suffering? The pursuit of of something is that what what makes you suffer, or is there what what causes the suffering then? Because everyone's, I mean, even if you do not go on your pursuit of money or joy or um wh whatever uh, relationships whatever it is then um you can still suffer i mean so wh where does that suffering come from really? um no pursuit itself is not the uh, like the reason for suffering um but hmm what is the reason for suffering is the resistance to the status quo so you are resisting what is happening. You're resisting yourself, for example. You just deny yourself. You don't want to be yourself. You want to be someone else. Or you are resisting now the house you are living in. And you're resisting just resistance itself. You not wanting any particular experience you're having now. That's suffering. Right. The, the, if you're not resisting, well, there's no suffering. Um, so, of course, you can pursue so many things, beautiful things. You can pursue truth, beauty, I don't know, uh, curiosity, discovery, love, all kinds of like um, positive values. Yeah. You see that? But like many people pursue. Life, exactly, exactly. So, let's say higher values. But many people, they just pursue things in order to get rid of something else. They're rid of exactly that, that situation they are resisting. So mm -hmm. your entire mind space is always looking at problems. So you're just yeah. problem solving. Every, you know, your entire life is just a problem solving pro process. So it's just, yeah. I don't like this. Well, let's solve the problem. I don't like kinda, this. So it, yeah, it's kind of funny because well, I'm, I'm writing a book currently on, uh, well, I've been doing that for a while, on being your own, it's called Be Your Own Coach. And it's about problem solving. But then like in the end, I kind of hint that uh, you should not live like a problem solver. Like the entire, oh, like a big <laughs> chunk of the book is about how to be a great problem solver. And like, just a small part is telling you, no, don't be a great problem solver. You know, don't be a problem solver in your life. Uh, that kind of thing. So it's kind of like a paradox there. Um, yeah. Now, 
of course, you can learn strategies in your life and whatever. I mean, you can learn how to deal with certain things in a better way. Uh, but th that's all part of, you know, improving yourself as well. You know, and um, it, it doesn't improving yourself doesn't necessarily mean that just chasing happiness, you know, it, like those are sometimes get confused that they are together, but they're, they're not always together. You can be a better person and you can strive to be a better person without being attached to the potential happiness that could come from reaching that thing. Well, would you agree with me on that? Um, yeah, half of it. Half of right. it. Like, um, I'm stuck on the term improving yourself. Because mm -hmm. uh, for a long time, I also said it on my channel and, and talked about these things like, you know, you becoming a better person, you becoming a honorable and more productive and yeah. just a greater person. What I discovered, though, is you're so self-absorbed that you're mm -hmm. actually not becoming a better person. You only become a better person if you are living life, meaning you yeah. don't focus on me, me, me all the time because the goal is, you know, to do projects and, you know, to help people out and to, to build something, create something and so on. So you're focused mm. on the external. And yeah. after doing that for a long time and you reflect on yourself, it's like, oh, oh, damn, I'm, I'm much more benevolent or I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, way yeah, more like, productive and so on. So uh, it's just shortly, you just exactly. look at yourself and say, oh, damn, I have actually changed. Cool back to work, back to the external. But right. the that, moment you're just, I just like, I just, damn. Okay, yeah. good. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I the moment. Say, like, oh, all right, go, go ahead. It was just a little thing that I wanted to say there. Because, you know, when I was, th there was this time when I was working for um, this uh, judo event thing. And it was like, it was around three days, but it was extremely stressful. Like I didn't get any sleep during these three days. But I was extremely happy because I, was, yeah. I could not focus on myself. You know, I was so extremely focused on living and doing tasks that I felt extremely free in a way. And uh, I, I usually relate to that particular time when I, you, you know, when we talk about this now, because it, that's actually a real experience that I've had. And um, so I, I, the possibility is there. But it's just a question of how do we get there? How do we stop focusing on ourselves? So perhaps in that way, we have to make some type of improvement. Or is it just that there is no improvement, but there is just more shift of perspective? Like, is there a difference between those two things? Well, that's a paradox here. <laughs> if you say, yeah. well, it's a self-improvement when you're not, when you're not, obsessed with self-improvement basically <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> when you right. transcended self-improvement <laughs> all right so, all right, that all right. Kind of... so you're kind of transcending self-improvement by by uh, not <laughs> i don't understand i mean if you cannot if you have not transcended self-improvement yet because you would need the, the vehicle the ego to do it then how would you yeah. go about transcending it 
So I would say it's it's in stages. Again, you know, it's 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 a normal human development. Of course, yeah. at the beginning you're fo- you're totally self-focused and it's all about you. But you know, that that doesn't bring fulfillment. Not at all. So after certain so that's why starting with normal classical uh, self-help is great, but after I would say like two or three years shifting the perspective and it's like not be self-absorbed but just you know creating something working towards certain goals not because they make you happy but because they're meaningful you know you enjoy them it's just great you know you love things and you want to share that love you know yeah but is, and, what uh, does it have to be meaningful for but for me of course but okay. you know i I, as a person, yeah. is not the, the main character here anymore. You know, it's not, right. I have to grow, I have to be special. Uh, so it's I just see. like, no, for me, it's important. Well, but it's, you know, I am not even in the picture. It's like, the thing is important. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing is the goal. So you work on the thing and while creating something, while writing a book or while... I don't know, creating a symphony <laughs> or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you have while building a castle. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. Who you are is irrelevant in the, in the creation. And that, mm. uh, Robert Fritz said that because people are just like, yeah, but I have to, to become a certain person before I can do that. Just like, no, no, you just do it. If you lack in skill, well, then, of course, better develop that skill beforehand, but don't identify with the skill. You know, you, mm-hmm. um, something who, who is a good tennis player and someone who is not a good tennis player, well, who is more, who has more worth? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's totally, it's a ridiculous question. Like mm. It doesn't make you a better person having a skill. Yeah. No, you're having that that's skill true. and you're good at tennis. You cannot so, separate uh, the action and the uh, person, right? Yeah. So you, you are you, and that was that's it. And yeah, you just create whatever you want, and that makes you fulfilled. Uh-huh. It is kind of like it, playing a video game because you you are creating things through a character, but yeah. you know that you are not that character. Exactly, and sometimes, uh-huh. of course, you know you can reflect on yourself, and it's like, ah, okay, okay, well this and that i could improve maybe here but how do you improve people think they need to sit down on a chair take a journal okay how can i improve and put themselves in front of a judge basically themselves like by judging themselves no you're you're never going to grow like that you need tangible let's say um, challenges so of course if i want to practice commitment Mm. well how about you know uh, i don't know make yourself a contract with someone Mm. and say like well in the next six months i will do it i have no other choice i need to commit otherwise i'll lose a lot of money or i don't know i get shamed or some whatever so Mm -hmm. for those six months you as a person are, are not important anymore 
the project yeah. itself is important. So after six oh, months, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, you're <laughs> done with the project and you can reflect. It's like, oh, damn, I was actually pretty committed <laughs> in those six months. Yeah. Holy moly. Right. So it happens through the external world. You sitting on mm. a chair contemplated about, contemplating about yourself does not make you grow. Right. Right, so that's right. my take on it. So improving yourself shouldn't necessarily be the goal. Living the life which is meaningful to you is the goal. And yeah. basically the goal is the goal you want to realize. Yeah. Hmm. That's great. Yeah, so when you mentioned about like the commitment and you kind of give up yourself, I, I made a video about that recently mm -hmm. and uh, I was actually inspired by you because uh, we talked about that. I think it was last October. Something. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And uh, that just, that stuck to me. You said something like intention above self or something like that. And that was just like, it, it just got stuck in my brain. Um, so yeah. that was an excellent thing that you said right there. Um, yeah. So, um, well, um, I hope that you feel uh, that it's been a good podcast uh, and I'm very, I don't know how to say, baffled. It's like, wow, it was a great podcast. And I always enjoy talking to you because I get so, like, I just kind of lead myself in a way. That's the way it works. Yeah. Uh, and it's always a pleasure talking to you. If people want to know more about you and what you do, where can they find you? Um, well, if you speak Korean, uh, it's higherself.co.kr or on YouTube, Higher Self Korea without spaces, just one word. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I enjoyed the podcast a lot. Uh, <laughs> right. it's, it feels good to just, you know, talk, talk with yeah. like-minded people. Exactly. Yeah, and I hope everyone else enjoyed listening as well. Uh, if you would like to join one more time in some future episode, just uh, you can do that for sure. We can probably dive into some other topic uh, more specifically. Uh, but I think that was very deep and also quite broad. And uh, it, was, it was great. So thank you very much for, have, for being here. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. And everyone listening, if you like this podcast, make sure that you follow me uh, wherever you're listening. Spotify, Apple Podcaster, or Google Pod Google Podcast, and uh, make sure that you follow me on Instagram, Conscious Motivations, and also follow me on YouTube. Uh, remember, stay conscious.